Well, hey, friends, great to be with you. If we haven't met before, my name's Ethan. So glad you're here. I'm one of the pastors here. We're going to have a great day today as we kick off our series, Invested. Hey, before I jump into that, though, uh, last week, uh, one of our great moms here at the church ran back and forth, had a toddler and a baby to drop off, left something in the car, ran back to her car, lost something in the bushes, ran here, was here, was upstairs, and at the end of the day realized that her wedding and engagement ring had slid off her finger. So it could be anywhere on our campus. It could be in this room. It could be upstairs. It could be in the nursery. It could be out front. It could be in the parking lot. If you see one, grab it, turn it in. She'd be thrilled. Um, Okay, Uh, let's see. What are we talking about? Oh, yes, invested. I am so excited uh, for this series. Uh, In this series, you are going to learn a skill. You're going to learn how to solve a problem you didn't even know could be solved. What you're going to learn in this series is a life hack. Are you familiar with the life hack phenomenon? You know what I'm talking about, right? These are the, these are the, the BuzzFeed lists, or the YouTube videos, or the Instagram things that they, they solve some problem, some simple solution to some problem you didn't even know could be solved. I know life hack, the, you know, the fad has kind of died down recently, but I still every once in a while, my YouTube feed gets something like, you know, six life hacks for your next trip to Disney, or five life hacks to make breakfast even better, or something like that. And And if we're honest, most of these life hacks, you know, are kind of ridiculous. Uh, About a month ago, I saw an article, um, five life hacks to save you money on food. And here was number one, ready? When you cook a meal, make more than you plan to eat and save some for the next day. That is not a life hack. That's just leftovers, okay? You do not get credit. You don't get to have an article, five life hacks to say, and have the first one be leftovers. You did not invent leftovers, okay? But some life hacks are awesome. Uh, Just a couple weeks ago, I learned this trick. Uh, This is amazing. Okay, so this is a half-eaten bag of chips. This is from the staff kitchen up in our offices up there, and it was just been sitting on the counter open for about three weeks, and... uh, Yes, the chips taste just as nasty as you would expect for a bag of chips sitting open for three weeks. I'm going to teach you a life hack that I just learned. The reason these bag of chips are sitting open is because what? They couldn't find like a clip, you know, to fold it over and clip. But whoever has that, right? Here you are. Ready? Boom. Half-eaten bag of chips. Flatten it out. Get the air out. Fold a little triangle here. Fold a little triangle here. Now we're going to roll it away from the triangles, okay? Boom, boom, roll it kind of tightly until all you see left are like the two triangles like that, right? And then take this over that corner and this over that corner and you're thinking to yourself, I know what happens when I let go, it just pops open, except it doesn't. Boom. Life hack, right there, okay? All right, there you go. That, it, really, it really does work. It'll stay closed forever. That's the secret to closing your bag of chips. There you go. You can thank me later. That's your life hack. Okay, but today, here's the reason this matters. Today, I'm going to give you a life hack for how to steer the human heart. In fact, it's not going to be mine. It's Jesus. Jesus' life hack for how to steer the human heart. Some of you don't think that's possible. But every one of us know the problem we have when our heart wants something that isn't good for us. When our heart pulls us in a direction that isn't healthy or honoring or God-honoring or whatever. And we're like, if only there was some way to steer the heart. 
Now, this is going to be no small feat. Jeremiah says, this is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, whose heart turns away from the Lord. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? So it would take quite a trick to figure out how to steer and direct such an unruly thing. But the stakes are pretty high. Because again and again, God's word says that when our hearts are turned to the Lord, we are blessed as a result. Uh, Moses writes in Deuteronomy, uh, When you and your children return to the Lord your God and obey him with all your heart, if you turn back to God with your heart and with all your soul, according to everything I command you today, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes, have compassion on you, gather you again from all the nations where he scattered you. The whole chapter 30 of Deuteronomy is this lesson about if we get our hearts turned and aimed toward God, that we experience blessing as a result. This is why a generation later, Joshua gathers the people and he says this, destroy the idols in your life and turn your hearts back to God. Uh, Joshua just says, take control of your heart and turn it back to God. And when we don't, when our hearts turn away from God and pull us toward other things, well, the whole book of 1 Kings is mainly about a guy named Solomon. Solomon started off life with a heart for God and the things of God and the purposes of God and the people of God. But as he grew older, his heart turned toward wealth and power and splendor. 1 Kings 11, as Solomon grew old, his many wives turned his heart after other gods and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. And because of this, the lineage of Solomon was cut off from the blessing of God because their hearts were no longer focused on God. So you see, the stakes are high. It matters what your heart is focused on. And like Solomon, a lot of us have let our hearts get focused on other things, and we can't even blame our wives. It's our own fault that our hearts have been steered. So here's the question. Is it possible even to steer and direct the human heart? You may know this quote. It's from Emily Dickinson. The heart wants what the heart wants and doesn't care about anything else. The heart wants what the heart wants, right? I mean, yeah, you can't control the human heart. It wants what it wants. People say, I like what I like, you know? I mean, that's it. I'm just into it. That's what I like. That's what I enjoy. That's what I'm into. That's, that's my thing. How can, how can we control? Who can control the human heart, right? Pascal concludes, the heart has reasons that reason cannot know. So what? Do we just have to hope we get lucky? Hope we're one of the lucky few uh, whose hearts turn us toward God and the, and the blessing that comes as a result of that? Is Emily Dickinson right that the heart wants what the heart wants and doesn't care about anything else? Well, Jesus says that she's not right. Jesus says that you can steer your heart in the direction you want it to go. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is talking about a heart sickness, 
an affliction of the heart that you'll probably recognize, a heart disease that that most of us already have. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 for a minute, so if you have a Bible, you might want to open your Bibles and pull it out. If you got it on your phone, find Matthew chapter 6 on your phone, and we'll be on verse 25. Here's what Jesus says. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? Look how the flowers of the fields grow. They do not labor or spin. But I tell you that even Solomon, remember Solomon? The one whose heart drifted from God and his heart became focused on wealth and power and splendor? Even Solomon in all his splendor wasn't dressed any better than these. If that's how God closes the grass of the fields, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? The pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. You seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. You turn your heart toward God's kingdom, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. Worry is such an interesting thing. It doesn't help us, but most of us do it anyway. It doesn't do us any good or accomplish anything, but some of us spend lots of time worrying. And you can learn something, can't you, from the nature of your worries. That's worth doing. Pay attention to what you worry about. What you worry about tells you what matters to you. It tells you what your heart is focused on. If you worry about a tree falling on your house, well, your heart might be focused on your house. If you worry about your kids, your heart's focused on your kids. If you worry about the next promotion, your heart's focused on your job. What you worry about teaches you what your heart is turned toward. And in the middle of all this worry that doesn't do us any good, but we all do it anyway, Jesus shows up and says, do not worry. Therefore, I tell you, stop worrying. I've always wondered about this. Like, have any of you ever been worrying and had someone say, oh, you should stop worrying? And you've been like, oh, thank you so much. I totally didn't think of that. I'm definitely going to stop worrying now. No, that isn't how this works. You can't just show up when somebody's worrying and say, stop worrying, and they're better. Like, Jesus was preaching to a crowd. You know somebody in the back row was like, yeah, thanks a lot, Jesus. Super helpful. Appreciate that. Yeah, we'll just stop worrying back here in the back, right? And I wish somebody had said that. Because if they did, Jesus would have answered. I just told you how to stop worrying. It was in the life hack that I gave you just like five verses ago. Because if you look at the first verse we read together, Matthew 6, 25, look at that with me again. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Look at that first word. Therefore, whenever you see a section of scripture, start with the word therefore. You always have to go back 
to the context it's in to find out what the therefore is there for. Get it? That's like super funny, right? If you see a therefore at the beginning of the sentence, you've got to go back to find what the therefore is there for. And in this case, the therefore points us to our life hack. A life hack super more important than learning how to close a bag of chips. This is Jesus' life hack for steering your heart toward God so that you never have to worry. Here it is, Matthew 6, 19. Just back up a little bit in the chapter. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Okay, that would make me worried, right? If I was storing my treasure where it could be destroyed or stolen, I'd worry about that. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal, where there's nothing to worry about. And then he says this, verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Skipping down to verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Your heart can't point in two directions at once. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Look back with me at the life hack, okay? That's verse 21. This is Jesus' life hack for steering your heart. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now take a look at those words for a second. If you've never thought much about this verse, uh, or never been taught about it, you might think these words mean the exact opposite of what they actually teach. I think most of us think this is true. We think that our treasure follows our heart. We think where our heart is, our treasure will be also. We might say, when I care about something, when something matters to me, when my heart is in it, well, then I'll invest in it. I invest my money in it. I invest my time in it. I invest my skills in it. Where my heart is, my treasure follows. But Jesus says, actually, it's the opposite. Where your treasure is, your heart will also be. Jesus says what you invest in is what you become invested in. Jesus says you put your treasure where you want your heart to be and your heart will follow your treasure. I know this sounds crazy. The human heart's such a mystery and Jesus is saying you can steer the human heart with your wallet? What? No, surely we say, no, no, that's not how it works. I care about something, and then I decide to spend money on it. But then you go look at your checkbook or your credit card statement, at all the things you spend money on, and you're like, what? I don't care about any of those things. Why did I spend all that money on that stuff? Or you say, no, 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 I care about something, and then I invest my time in it. But then you go look at your calendar, what you did last month, you're like, what? I spent that much time on that? I don't care about that. We, we like to think that our treasure follows our heart. And Jesus says, no, it's the opposite. If you are investing in yourself, you'll become invested in yourself, caring more and more about yourself all the time. But when you are investing in other people, you start caring about them, don't you? 
You, you go tutor some kid down at the Fairmont Elementary School right there, you're going to care more about the grade they get on their math test than you ever cared about any math test in your entire life. Why is that? Well, because you are where you invest, you become invested. If you invest your money and your time and your talent and your treasure in stuff and cars and clothes and houses, well, you're going to start to care a whole lot about stuff and cars and clothes and houses. If you start investing in the stock market, I used to wonder when I was a little kid, why do they, you know, back then they would print in the paper all the stock reports. These days you go on, you know, Yahoo Finance and you see all those numbers. I was like, why do people even care? Who studies all that stuff? Why, who, 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 who cares so much about the stock market? Well, people who are invested in the stock market care about the stock market. That's why they care. They've invested in it, so they are invested in it. I found this out when I was 13 years old. Uh, we were living in Atlanta at the time, and, uh, you know, Coca-Cola was the big company down in Atlanta. It was 1987. My birthday was in September. I decided I was going to use all my birthday money to buy stock in the Coca-Cola Corporation. My uncle was a big investor, and so he got me hooked up with his broker, and it turns out all my birth money put, birthday money put together, I could buy one share of stock. So that's what I was going to do, buy one share of Coca-Cola stock. I was so excited. Sale finally was finalized October 12th of 1987. I was so excited. Next morning, I got up, and I got the paper, and instead of turning trade to the cartoons like I usually did, I turned to the stock pages. Oh, my goodness. I bought it yesterday, and now on Tuesday of October, October, October 13th, 1987, it had gone up a dollar. I was a dollar richer, and I'd done nothing. It was amazing. I couldn't believe it. I was so excited. Next day, Wednesday, ran to get the paper. Why did I care so much about the stock market? Because I'd invested in it. I ran to get the paper. I read, well, it was down a little bit on Wednesday, but it was still more than what I paid for it, so that was okay. Thursday, it was down a little bit more. By Friday, it was even below what I'd paid for it, so I was starting to get a little nervous. Some of you know what happened on Monday, October 19th, 1987. Some of you know. You're about to, you know the punchline of this joke. October 19th, 1987 is what we call Black Monday. It was the single biggest stock market collapse in the history of our nation one week after I bought my very first share of stock. By the end of the day, October 19th, that stock was worth less than half of what I paid for it just a previous, just one week prior. If I'd waited one week, I could have bought two. I didn't read the paper quite so often after then, but I still, about every time I got a hold of the paper, I would go look and see what the Coke stock was worth, see what it worth. It took three years. Three years for it to be worth what I paid for it on October 12th, 1987. But I was invested because I had invested. And Jesus wants you to learn this. I'm just telling you, this, this principle, if you don't know it, you are going to get in yourself some weird places. And once you know it, you can, you can have so much, so much leadership over your own life. If you want to be in charge of your own life, you need to learn this principle from Jesus. This is how you steer your heart. Where you put your treasure, where you put your best dollar, your best hour, your best talent, where you put it, that is where your heart will go. Where you invest your skills, your money, and your time, it's where you will be invested. I hear people say there's some good thing they need to do, whether it's exercise or feeding the poor or whatever it is. Then it's like, you know, my heart's not in it. You know, my, if my heart was in it, then I'd do it. But my, my heart's just not in it. No, that actually isn't how it works. 
Your heart's not in it. You say, I won't do it because my heart's not in it. It's actually the other way around. Your heart's not in it because you haven't invested in it. You haven't made a decision to make a commitment to put your best hour or your best skill or your first dollar into whatever this thing is. Jesus says that's how the heart works. What you invest in, you become invested in. And if you want to steer your heart toward God... You just invest in the things of God. Give the things of God your first dollar, your, your, your best hour, your best talent. And you will find your heart becomes more and more devoted to God. Now, here's the cool thing. Once you know this life hack, which is more useful even than closing a bag of chips. I know that sounds crazy. but This is better even than that. Once you know it, this is useful in so many areas of your life. I had a friend about 15 years ago who uh, we were talking one day, and they said to me, they just realized they were in their life too focused on clothes, always trying to buy the right clothes and the cool clothes and, you know, the, the name brands. And, you know, this is back when, you know, I know, that, and this could never happen today, but back then you could take a plain white T-shirt, print a brand on it, and charge $75 for it. I know nobody ever do that today, but back then people did that. And they were into that. They had to have the right brands and the right labels, and, it, and they spent a ton of money. And they just said, you know, I am too into clothes. This matters too much to me. And so what they did was they took the 40 days before Easter and they said, for the whole 40 days, I'm not going to buy any clothes. And, and I think this will help me get more focused on God. I, of course, said, man, I must be super holy then because I haven't bought any clothes in 10 years. Like, I must be amazing. No, that isn't how it works. But what they discovered, see, they had been investing in their appearance. And so they were invested in it. They knew their heart was too attached to it. And they knew the secret. They knew they could move, they could bend the desires of their own heart. If they stopped investing in their appearance and started investing in something else, they would become invested in something else. This is how people say, you know, people talk to me. Even I would read the Bible more, but my heart, my heart's not in it. You know, I just don't, I just don't feel it's real draw to Scripture. That's not how your heart works. It's the other way around. You want to feel drawn to Scripture? You want, your, you want your heart to be focused on God's Word? You invest in God's Word. Discipline yourself to read the Bible. Buy a good commentary. Find somebody who can explain it to you. You invest in the Word of God, all of a sudden your heart will be in it. That's how the heart works. This is so helpful. Some of you are in relationships. I'm telling you, this is the secret to relationships. Let's just be clear, okay? Some of you are in a bad dating relationship. You're dating somebody you shouldn't be with. All your friends know it. You sometimes even know it, you know. Maybe you're dating somebody that you can't marry because you don't share the same faith or they don't treat you very well or they don't respect your boundaries or they belittle you. And you know you shouldn't be in this relationship. But your heart, you love them, you know, and, and love. I mean, just your heart. You know, what, what are you going to do? The heart wants what it wants. You can't control who you love. Yes, you can. Jesus says, where you invest, you will be invested. Where you put your treasure, you, you will, your heart will follow. You have given this relationship your best hour, your best time, your best dollar. No wonder you're in love. And Jesus says, if you, if you want your heart to go somewhere else, you'll have to invest somewhere else. And Because the longer you invest in an unhealthy relationship, you'll just be more and more in love. It'll be harder and harder for you to get out. Okay? 
You control your heart. Flip side of this is also true. Some of you in a marriage, maybe, and you sense the connection is weakening, and if you were being honest, you might say something like this. I'm just not as invested in my marriage as I once was. I've got these other relationships. They're just super good and vibrant, and I'm kind of pretty invested in those relationships, and my heart just isn't where it was anymore. You know what I mean? The heart, what are you going to do, right? Heart wants what it wants. Emily Dickinson said so. Jesus said the heart wants what you teach it to want. Jesus says you are not powerless. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So if other relationships are always getting your best hour, your best skills, and your first dollar, they will also get your heart. That's how it works. If you are not investing in your marriage, giving, putting some of your treasure into that, you, you, you won't get the marriage that you want. Parents, this principle is so helpful. Some of you are wondering, why do I worry about my kids all the time? They are grown and smart, and I'm still I worry about kids constantly. It's because they're so dadgum expensive. That's why you worry about them. You spend all that money on them. Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. That's why you're so worried about them, right? On the flip side, though, about five or six years ago, I had a dad come to me. He had two daughters, and he was, they were in elementary school, and he was starting to feel disconnected. He said, Ethan, I think maybe I've just done what I'm supposed to do. Like, I provide for them financially. I can't really connect with these girls anymore. And it's the games they want to play, I don't know what to do. I just think it's their mom's job now, and I'm just supposed to provide financially. I said, dude, that is not how the heart works. If you want to be invested in these girls' lives, you're going to have to invest in these girls. He said, well, I don't know how to do that. I was like, dude, find you an imaginary unicorn and ride it through the fairy forest with them because that's what they want to do this afternoon, okay? So saddle up your unicorn and go find the fairies. All right, Invest in this relationship and you will be invested in this relationship. That's the way the heart works. This is true in every area of your life. And Jesus wants you to know this. Your heart's not in your community. Well, invest in your community. You're feeling disconnected from God. This is the big one, right? You're feeling disconnected from God. Well, invest in God's kingdom. This isn't just about your money, but yeah, it's about your money. Give, Jesus is clear. You give generously to the kingdom of God. Your heart will be drawn to God. And when your heart turns toward God, you are blessed by God. Not blessed because you gave the money. Blessed because giving the money aligns your heart with the purposes of God. And that lets you experience the blessing that comes when we align our hearts with God's will. My grandpa was a preacher for a long time. His name was Calvin Phillips. And when he quit being a preacher, he moved down here to teach preachers over at Emmanuel, attended this church for a long time. He was in the middle of a fundraising campaign on behalf of this church when I was in class with him over at Emmanuel about 20 years ago. And one of the students asked, isn't it hard to ask people for money for the church? Like, isn't that weird? And I took notes of his answer. This isn't a quote, but these are my notes. He said, no, it isn't hard. Because the money isn't for me, it's for the church. And here is what I know. It is good for the church when God's people give generously to God's church. And it is good for God's people 
when God's people give generously to God's church because it captures their heart and turns it toward God. And we are blessed when our hearts are directed toward God. This is Jesus' life hack. If your heart is leading you places you do not want to go, you are not at the mercy of your heart. Where you put your treasure, your heart will follow. Where you invest, you will be invested. Are you worried about your life and what you will eat and what you will wear? Well, my guess is then you're investing in your life and what you will eat and what you will wear. It's where you put your treasure and your heart just followed. But when you invest first in God's kingdom, making sure that God gets your first dollar and your first hour and your first skills, turns out God will get your heart too. And when God gets your heart, when you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, God says, I'll take care of all the rest because what I want is you. Let's pray. Gracious God, Help us to steer our hearts. I pray for some people today who have become too invested in some things because they've been investing too much. Maybe it's a relationship that isn't doing them any good. Maybe it's a hobby or a habit that's just making them worried about the things of this world. Would you help them, God, steer their hearts by investing first in you and trusting that where they put their treasure, you will draw their hearts to follow as you have promised. Turn our hearts to you, God, so that we might truly live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.